Well, good morning. Um, happy to be filling in for Corey this morning as he is up north for the weekend with his family. Uh, happy that he has a chance to get away and unplug for a few days. Um, this morning, we are going to be continuing through the remainder of chapter 6 of the book of Matthew. So if you have a Bible, please turn there to verse 19. Uh, and I'll be reading verse 19 to 34, and then we will pray. All right, starting in verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so, clo so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into heaven, in the, into the oven, excuse me, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are a good, good Father, as we just sang about. Uh, Lord, would you speak to us this morning as we consider where we place our treasure and what our treasures are, uh, as we consider this perspective of trading a worldly-mindedness for a heavenly-mindedness that considers who our Father is in heaven and how he cares for us. Lord, would you minister to our hearts this morning? Would you lift our eyes to heaven to consider the cross, to consider the length to which you went to redeem us to yourself, uh, that we can trust you because you care for us? Father, we pray this all in your name. Amen. Well, throughout this series on the Sermon on the Mount, we've been talking about Jesus's call to superior Righteousness, And it's a call that, just as I was praying about, we're trading in a worldly-mindedness for a heavenly-mindedness. And as his children, Jesus is saying, our aim ought to be different. Our aim, because of who God is and because of who we are in him, should be about the kingdom and its priorities. And this text is no different. It continues with that same pattern as Jesus addresses two different topics, treasure and worry. And he, he's asking us one big question throughout this passage. What's your perspective? Is it about this earth? Is it a worldly mindedness or is it a heavenly one? 
And then he addresses how each of those topics play into that. So we begin with the topic of treasure. Now in verse 19 and 20, we get two commands from the Lord. The first, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, right? A negative command. The second one is positive, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So where is your treasure this morning, right? As Christ is distinguishing between a worldly mindedness and a heavenly mindedness, he's calling us as his children pursue, to pursue heaven, to pursue the eternal perspective, as it says in Colossians 3, to set our minds on things above because we are in Christ. Jesus is calling us to lay up treasures in heaven because we are his children. And more than that, he exposes the futility, the needlessness of laying up treasures on earth. He says where rust and moth destroy, where thieves break in and steal. And I think his argument is easy for us to understand, right? Why would we take treasures in heaven that are eternal, that cannot be destroyed, and trade them for worldly ones, treasures on earth that can be destroyed? and that are temporary and fleeting. So I don't think we struggle with that, but I think the question of what is our treasure, I think is a tricky one. I think identifying that, right, our treasures can be subtle. And I think sometimes we're unaware of really what the treasure of our heart is. So how can we know what our treasure is this morning? Pastor R. Kent Hughes has a list of questions to consider as we ask ourselves that question. So I'm going to read them kind of slowly for us, and I just want us to consider that. To not assume that, okay, we know Jesus is the answer, right? Jesus is to be the treasure of our heart. But what is it this morning? Uh, So let me read these for us. First question, what is it that occupies your thoughts when you have nothing else to think about? What do you daydream about? What are the things you fret most about? What do you dread losing most? What is it that you measure others by? Finally, what is it that you know that if you didn't have it, you wouldn't be happy or satisfied? So what's your treasure this morning? Again, I know, right, the Sunday school answer, it's Jesus. We all know that. But I I think we need to resist the urge to just assume that Jesus is our treasure because that's what's tricky about it, right? They creep up on us and all of a sudden we realize, wait, the treasure of my heart isn't Christ. I think another assumption that we make about treasure is that it inherently means money. And now that very well might be the case, right? And I think it's wise to ask ourselves if money is our treasure. It's certainly something that we struggle with. We live in a very materialistic culture, right? We're a very wealthy nation. And so I think for many of us, we've experienced that temptation to put money on the throne of our lives over Jesus. But I don't think our treasure can only be money, right? If there's other things that become our treasure in life, it might be a possession like your house or your car. It could be your job or your career. Maybe it's a certain vacation or the kind of hotel that you stay at, a sort of status. Maybe it's security or comfort pleasure, success, achievement, right? It could be a relationship or a person in your life. It very well might be a, quote, good thing. But we all know that we can have too much of a good thing, right? We can make a person an idol in our lives by putting them on the throne of our lives over Christ, right? Your treasure might be a good thing, but again, what is it this morning? 
One of the things that I struggle with is putting my worth and my identity in my job, making my job my treasure. I love working in ministry, and I truly can't picture doing anything else uh, with my life at this current moment. But I look to ministry for satisfaction. I look to ministry to find my worth and my my identity. But ministry is never going to fulfill me in that way. Now, one of God's graces to me is that I, I get to experience joy and satisfaction in working in ministry, right? It's not just drudgery and, and everything's an obligation. It brings me life. It brings me enjoyment. But again, it's never going to fulfill me as Christ does. And so ministry was never meant to substitute for me finding my worth, my identity, and my ultimate satisfaction in Jesus. But that's what our treasures do to us, right? They have this way of controlling us. Even good things start to warp our perspective where we put something else on the throne of our lives over Jesus. And I think that's Jesus's point in verse 21 when he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, right? What we treasure indicates what our hearts are set on. Now, when Jesus talks about the heart here, this is referring to in, in, G, in Jewish literature, the heart symbolized the entirety of the person. So if the heart was corrupt, the whole body, the whole person was corrupt. And then in verses 22 and 23, he uses a similar analogy with the eye. The eye is the lamp of the body. But the point is the same, right? If one part of you is corrupt, so it is with your whole body. But these analogies are to say that our deepest desires, what we treasure most in our hearts, suggests to what or to whom we are devoted. And friends, we will only be devoted to one thing. Look at verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Right? You cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and something else. Right? The condition of our hearts is that they will have one aim, one devotion, one pursuit. Now again, Jesus is clear. You cannot serve two masters. Not you must not, not you should not, right? Jesus isn't saying, well, you know, I guess if you really want to try and serve two masters, I, you know, I guess you can try it. Right? He's saying you cannot. It's not a question of your ability to, to make it work, but it's the condition of our hearts that said they will have one aim, they will have one treasure, and that's exactly why this question of what our treasure is, why, why it matters. Because if it's not God, it's something else. If it's something else, it's certainly not God. And I think this is also a caution for us against trying to have God serve our earthly pursuits. Against us trying to have God serve our earthly treasures. Because it doesn't work that way. Right? You can't claim to serve God and store up treasures on earth. Because if that's what you're claiming to do, all you're really doing is storing up treasures on earth. Last week, Corey shared the quote from C.S. Lewis about aiming at heaven. And I want to repeat it again today because I think it's relevant to this call that Jesus has to trade in a worldly mindedness for a heavenly mindedness. So that quote reads, aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you get neither. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you get neither. Right, friends, the call this morning is to aim at heaven, to pursue God, to be fully devoted 
to Him and to Him alone because we are children of God. Now that second part of verse 24 says you cannot serve both God and money. Now the Greek word there for money is mammon. And there's a bit of debate as to, you know, what's the best way to translate that word into English. And I don't think money is a bad translation, so don't hear that this morning. But as I said, excuse me, as I said before, money isn't the only treasure that we can have. And so I think we do ourselves a disservice if we only consider, you know, hey, is money my treasure? No, I don't think so. Okay, well, Jesus must be. And so I think a broader definition here is helpful as we consider really what our aim is, what the deepest treasure of our heart is. Matthew Matthew Henry, in his commentary on this chapter, defines mammon as whatever we consider gain or treasure. That it's whatever we consider to be great, to be advantageous or superior. And I think that's a helpful definition for us this morning. Right? Is, is Christ gain for you this morning? Is he superior in your life? Right? Is he advantageous? Is he your treasure? Or is it something else? The call to superior righteousness that Jesus has been talking about throughout the series, throughout the Sermon on the Mount, excuse me, is a call to superior righteousness that treasures God, that sees Christ as gain, where we serve God and are fully devoted to him and to him alone, right? Where our aim is not the things of this earth, not treasures that serve our pursuits, that serve our priorities here on earth, but an aim that is heaven, that is the kingdom of God and its priorities. That's what we are to be about as children of God. It's who we are now because of what Christ has done for us. So friends, would you trade treasures on earth this morning for treasures in heaven? Now we move to the topic of worry. And again, Jesus is asking us this question of what's your perspective? Is it faith? Is it worry? Is it a worldly mindedness focused on yourself, focused on your own circumstances and the things that you think matter, your priorities, or are you focused on God's priorities, right? And I think Jesus is getting at the fact that our answer to that question of whether it's faith or worry reveal our perspective. It reveals ultimately what goes on in our hearts as we go through life. Now, three times in the passage, Jesus tells us not to worry. Do not be anxious. Verse 25, verse 31, and verse 34. So it's clear, right? We're not supposed to worry. But which one of us has never had a worry? Right, which one of us has never lost sleep at night over the project that's due the following morning at work, or you know the stress of uh, the health of a family member and worrying about their safety or their well-being? Right, we all have. It's a common human thing, and Jesus isn't saying that we shouldn't be concerned about things in our lives. Certainly, certainly we are to be concerned about the well-being of our friends and our family members. Right, another example. We brought up the topic of money. Certainly, we're to be wise in how we handle money. Corey preached on that a couple weeks ago, that there's a way to use our finances that communicate kingdom values, right? So we should be wise and prudent in how we use our finances. Additionally, we are to be concerned about sin in our lives, right? Just because Jesus tells us three times not to worry doesn't mean that we should hold this perspective that says, 
I mean, you know, sin doesn't really matter. I mean, Jesus said, don't worry about it. So I'm just, you know, grace abounds. It doesn't really matter. I can just live my life. What Jesus is talking about when he says, don't worry, when he says, do not be anxious, he's talking about how we have this tendency to be self-centered and earthly-minded as we worry and stress about our priorities rather than the kingdom. And what he's trying to do is lift our eyes to our Father who is in heaven. But again, this is difficult, right? Which one of us has never had a worry? And I think this is precisely why Jesus is teaching on the subject. It's because he knows how tempted we are to worry, how much of a tendency that is in our lives. And again, he's not being heavy-handed, right? We've all had a situation in which we've been chatting with a friend and said, you know, we're worried about something. And they've responded with, well, just stop worrying about it. And what good does that do, right? Which one of us has ever walked away from a conversation going, oh man, I feel total peace now. That's not what Christ is doing. What he's doing is pointing out the futility of our worry. And again, he's lifting our eyes from this earth, from our circumstances on to our Father who is in heaven. As his children, his desire is to deliver us from that worry, to show us the way out. That we might trust him and depend on him. So now he uses two arguments. They're these lesser, greater arguments where he says, look, if God does the one, how much more does he do the other? And through all of this, again, he's revealing the heart of God for us. That's the solution to our worry. That's what soothes our souls and brings us peace when our circumstances are stressing us out, when we're worried about our own health or the health of a loved one, when we're worried about our job, Now, the first consideration he calls us to make is for the birds. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Right? Birds don't plan for tomorrow. They don't spend their day stressing and obsessing about what the next day or the next week or the next year are going to bring. And yet, God feeds them. Yet, God takes care of them. Jesus follows that with two questions. The first, to reveal the heart of God for us. And the second, to reveal the futility of our worry. First, he asks, are you not of more value than they? Friends, of course you are more valuable to God than birds. Right? You have been created in his image and in his likeness. And when he did so, he declared it very good. You, though you were an enemy of God, though you were a child of wrath, or loved by God enough for him to send his son to die for you, to take your place and pay the penalty that you deserved. Surely you are more valuable to him than birds. And if God cares for the birds, how much more does he care for you and me? Second question then, and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? Now the literal meaning behind this question is actually talking about making yourself taller adding height to your stature. Now, of course, we know we can't make ourselves taller. And certainly, by worrying and stressing, we can't add time to our lives. And the irony of everything, right, is we know that worry and stress actually work to shorten our lives. So Jesus is pointing out the pointlessness of it. Right? Worry doesn't add anything to your lives, so why do it? And furthermore, you have no reason to, because you have a father, heaven because you are a child of God because 
He cares for you. The second consideration then are the lilies and the grasses. It says, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I, t- not yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grasses of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the, ho- the oven, I did it again. <laughs> I've been so focused on a heavenly mindedness this week that I'm just making the Bible say that. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Once again, the lilies and the grasses, they don't fret about tomorrow. And yet God cares for them. So if he cares for the grasses and the lilies, which are temporary and short-lived, how much more does he care for you who are eternal in him? You who will spend eternity with him. Friends, you are of much more value to God than the birds and the grass. If he cares for them, how much more does he care for you? So this morning, we don't need to worry about whether he will provide for us because we have the proof in front of us. We can consider the birds and we can consider the grasses. But more than that, we can look at the cross. Right? We know the length to which God went in order to reconcile us to himself to draw us back to himself. So what Jesus is calling us here is to aim at something different. Aim not at the treasures of this earth, but at the treasures of heaven. Aim not at a pursuit that's concerned solely about your circumstances and solely about your own priorities, but about those of heaven. Verse 33, But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Right? Our aim, our worry, our priority ought to be the kingdom and its priorities. Why? Because we are children of God. Because we have a relationship with him. Look at verse 32. The Gentiles, those that don't know God, those that don't have a relationship with him, they're the ones concerned with these things. Right? They seek after earthly pursuits and they set treasures on earth thinking that they will last. But it's not to be so with us, right? Because we have been set apart in Christ, we are to seek first the kingdom and God's righteousness, right? Not because we are great, because of what Christ has done for us. It's now who we are, right? Because we have received his love, we should not lay up treasures on earth, but lay up treasures in heaven. Because we have received his love, We don't spend our lives filled with worry over what tomorrow or or next week will bring, but instead we recognize how the Lord has cared for us. We recognize his heart is for us. And so day by day we depend on him. We seek him first. Now the second part of verse 33 there says, and all these things will be added to you. Does this mean that if by seeking the kingdom first, we can kind of twist God's arm into giving us prosperity? No, of course not. So then what does that mean? It means everything that we need to seek first the kingdom. Everything we need to pursue God's righteousness, to to follow this call of superior righteousness, everything that we need for that, God is faithful to provide. 
the faith, the trust, the strength, the grace, the forgiveness, the hope, every single thing that we need according to the kingdom and its priorities, everything we need to put God first, to treasure him in our hearts. God is faithful to provide. All we need to do is seek him. Matthew Henry, in that same commentary that I referenced before, talked here, he kind of gave another kind of lesser, greater analogy. He said, if we trust God with our salvation, why do we not trust, us, trust him to get us there? Right? Salvation is the miracle. So, like, that's the huge thing that Christ did. He took us while we were enemies with God, while we were sinners, and died for us and made a way. So why can't we trust him to get us there if we can trust that Jesus' death for us was, in fact, sufficient? But again, worry creeps in, right? We just have this tendency. And so this is what Christ is saying to you this morning. He's saying, child, lift your eyes to heaven. Consider who your father is, and you'll see that you can trust him. You'll see you have no, no need to worry. Finally, one last call against being anxious. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Each day has enough trouble of its own, right? So why do we try to add to that by worrying today about the things of tomorrow? Right now, this logically makes sense to us, but as I've said, right, we all struggle with this. No matter how often we hear the logic of, well, it makes no sense to worry, we still do it, right? Monday will come tomorrow, and our days and, and our week will be full, and we'll spend our time stressing about whatever it is, the next day or the next year. Again, Jesus is calling us to consider how the Father provides for us. Right? Elsewhere in Scripture, we learn about the Lord's provision. In Lamentations 3, it tells us that the Father's mercies are new for us each morning. And those mercies aren't mercies today for tomorrow's problems. Right? They're mercy today for today's. And then there's mercies tomorrow for tomorrow's, and the day after that, and the day after that. Right? Or we can consider how the Lord provided manna for the Israelites when he led them out of Egypt. Right? How much manna did he provide? Was it enough that they could store up for you know, the following day just in case the Lord didn't provide, that they could save up for the rest of the week in case, you know, again, maybe God would forget? No. He gave exactly enough for each person for that day. No more and no less. And the point then for the Israelites was that they would learn to depend on him. They would learn that they can trust God because he knows their needs, because he cares for them. And so day by day, day by day, they can come and seek him. And that's the exact same lesson that we are to learn today. And that's what Jesus is reminding us of, that God is worthy of our trust because he cares for us, because he knows our needs, and he is faithful to provide them. Last week, as we went through the Lord's Prayer, we touched on the request for our daily bread. And that's exactly it, right? It's to come to the Lord's feet each morning and ask for those new mercies for today's problems, for whatever today will bring, right? To ask for the faith and the strength and the peace and the hope needed for today, and then tomorrow we do the same. And as children of God, that is how it ought to be with us. So church family, each day, would we seek the Father in heaven, 
trusting that he will provide everything we need to put his kingdom first, to put him first in our hearts. Will we do that today and tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that, trusting that he will provide? The call to superior righteousness is a call to trade in our worldly-mindedness, right? Laying up treasures on earth for a heavenly-mindedness, placing our treasures in heaven, seeing Christ as gain, as treasure, as supreme, right? An aim not set on this earth, but an aim towards heaven. And as we do so, Jesus is calling us to consider the heart of God that is for us, the heart of God that while we were still sinning, died for us. And with that in mind, we can lay up treasures in heaven that will never pass away. And we can trust him. We can rely on him, understanding that he knows exactly what we need and he will be faithful to provide for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you give us faith? This call to superior righteousness, to a heavenly mindedness, Lord, is such a high call. And as we consider treasure and worry and how those two topics affect our perspective, Lord, I admit that I struggle deeply in those areas and I know that I'm not alone in that. That my heart is such in which I want to make other things my treasure rather than you. That I want to spend my life fretting and and worrying about things that you have promised to provide for me. So Father, would you fill us with a faith and a strength to trust you? Would you fill us with an obedience to run to you each morning, right? To fall down at your feet and to receive the mercies that are new for us there. And then tomorrow, would we do the same the day after that, the day after that. Lord, we pray all in your name. Amen.